1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast coming to you from Malibu. Beautiful, sunny summer day. Today, we have a fellow Primal Health Coach graduate who has also created her own podcast with a name we love called Grok's Wife. Haley Morris is here today. Welcome.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah. Tell us, let's start off with, you know, what, what even started you down the journey to even find out about primal and go in this direction. Let us hear your health journey.
2: Okay. Um. Well, it kind of started at the age of 21. I'm 26 now. Um. And what happened is I ended up getting kidney stones. And um, and I already kind of knew like about you know health and like the, basically the mainstream. It was kind of coming. Um, into like the low fat and stuff like that. Like those types of things were starting to come up from my parents and, you know, being the teenager that I was very stubborn and strong willed, I was kind of like, yeah, okay. Like you guys do that. And I'm just going to keep eating, you know, what we've always ate, fast food and, you know, all that stuff. So, <clears throat> so once I got so far into it and I got kidney stones, um, I did like 180, I was like, I needed basically listening at this point. Um, because my health is deteriorating. And so I did not only a 180, but I started cutting out meat and um, cutting out fast food and and basically following the fad diet of veganism. And I think that did a lot of good for me for a while, just because I was really starting to detoxify myself from, you know, all the crap that I ate for so long. And I saw it in my face breaking out really bad. And I was, and I was doing cardio and stuff as well. So all this stuff was just getting pushed out and I've never had, I never had acne that bad. It was awful. And I started following this girl, um, off the earth diet and she like encouraged me, you know, just to keep going. And she wasn't vegan at all, but she, you know, really encouraged me to just keep going down the health path, even though my face looked like I was definitely doing something wrong. And um, so I got really deep into that and found this, like, spiritual, like, peace and joy uh, for for a while and then started um, a juice bar in my local community and really wanted to share, like, ult- ultimate health with people, and that just, like, became my passion was, like, sharing ultimate health with people and helping them like find like a passion within themselves in order to like live it their fullest life. And so I really wanted to do that. And within my uh, juice bar experience towards, you know, kind of the end of it where I realized that this wasn't for me because um, not only, you know, was the juice bar the, at the juice bar, I was stuck inside 24 seven, which I didn't like, um, But I was starting to have another round of, like, deteriorating health. Um, I was starting to lose my train of thought. Um, I started stuttering. Um, I was starting to lack a lot of energy. um, And I was getting really depressed. And what I realized is, you know, I started doing a lot of research. And I had listened to Mark Sisson's Primal Blueprint, actually, um, like, I think a couple of years prior to this because my dad showed me it when I was like hardcore vegan. And he's, he's like, you really need to listen to this guy. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> Go dad. I was like,
2: okay, I'll listen, but it's not going to change anything. And I did, I listened and it was great. Um, and I, and I agreed with a lot of it, but I wasn't going to eat meat, you know? So, so at this point I, I was like, okay, well, you know, I knew about that. And then I started digging into like vegans and vegetarians that, you know, they went back to me, even after like twelve, twenty years of being a vegan and vegetarian, they went back to me and they told their experiences why. And I'm like, man, you know, even like infertility and stuff. And I was like, man, you know, maybe maybe this isn't it and but I was so deep in it, like, and all these people were following me because I was like vegan, you know, that that I'd like it was kinda of like a pride thing, you know, you're like, man, you know, this is gonna get a lot of people down, you know. And I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And
1: when you're like a proselytizing vegetarian and you're on a soapbox about it, it's hard to come down and say, actually, I was wrong or I, uh, for me, I am. And that's a tough move. Yeah. It's a pride thing.
2: Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm like all about honesty with people, you know, like I can be brutal honest at, at some point and I didn't want to do it, but I knew I had to, but, and, and, you know, another part that was kind of holding me back is this like emotional connection to it. Um, you know you it's because it's so pushed pushed uh towards us nowadays is like eat veganism because it's so awful to kill animals you know you shouldn't kill animals at all and really it's just this emotional push towards people to just stop eating meat and I think there's a whole s- another story behind that but like I just knew that like that that wasn't The case. It was more that they were feeding them in capos, and they were feeding them grains, and they were feeding them all these bad things. And there's like this sacred like circle in life where you know things have to die in other in order for things to live. Like plants even feel like when you kill them, you know that's why they release their their scent um, when you're cutting them down and things like that. So anyway, so I ran into this guy. And he started showing me some more like primal videos and he's now my husband and uh, he also ran a grass fed farm. So I got to see like a whole nother light of animal farming and that made me like start to eat meat again, like start to implement it back into my diet. And
1: uh, so once you emotionally felt, so once you emotionally felt a little bit better about the treatment and saw a different, you know, way of treating animals, yeah. uh, it, that, that, that's what made you say, okay, I'm going to try meat again. Yes,
2: absolutely. I saw the way that he was, um, raising chicken on the farm, which is kind of the exact same way of how Joel Salatin is raising chickens. Um, and then he was raising lamb as well. Um, and he just moved them every day, uh, and pasture her with electric fence. And, um, yeah, it was just so like peaceful and, you could tell they were like enjoying life. It wasn't, they were crammed in these little spaces, you know, being fed a, a grain-based diet, which they shouldn't even have, you know? So yeah, as soon as I saw that, I, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll try implementing meat again and see what happens with my health, you know? And after like, yeah. after, like three to five days, I started noticing a huge improvement just in my mental health. Especially after eating um, a piece of red meat, and I was just eating pretty much chicken, and then I ate lamb. And after I ate lamb, like just this like mental shift overnight, um, it was so much better. It was so much better.
1: Interesting. So lamb is had you had an overnight? uh, What did you wake up the next day and you didn't feel depressed or your brain? You didn't have brain fog? Like what was the tip off to you that something was different? I didn't
2: have. I didn't have like the stuttering. You know, I like the stuttering was kind of gone. I felt better, like like mentally. Um, and it may have been the combination of just implementing some of that protein with the chicken and then ha- the lamb just like instantly, you know, like fixed it, you know, all, because maybe it just had extra minerals and stuff with it. I don't know, but it was definitely a switch.
1: Well, it's interesting. You know, there's an old wives tale about when you start to feel sick, eat lamb. And one of the reasons mm. is lamb is really high in zinc uh, naturally. So it's kind of an old wives tale based in truth. And maybe you were depleted in that mineral. Or again, like you said, it was just the topper offered to some protein you had gotten for a few days. And then that kind of sealed it, you know?
2: Yeah. That's pretty interesting that wives tale, though. That's, that's neat.
1: So did you, so did you know at that point where you were like, all right, you know what, I'm done with being a vegetarian vegan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go keep going down this route.
2: Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I was full on. I was already like um, environmentally friendly, obviously, with the, the veganism and uh, just Earth in general, because we're kind of destroying it at this point. And um, I just knew that that was the the missing piece. And really, what it came down to is we needed to replicate what Earth is doing, um, what, or what it was made to do is is rotationally grazing. You know, we ha- we had a bunch of bison and, and all these animals just free roaming the Earth, and that's what you know, that's natural. That's what we were made to, to be eating. So yeah, it was, it was definitely a, uh, I need to basically share the truths of health with people. And I wanted to partner, partner with some sort of primal resource, um, in order to get a little bit deeper understanding and just get that, you know, that little credential that made people like look to me for that.
1: Yeah. So tell us then you found, I mean, obviously you got into it and how long were you into it before you found out about like the primal health coach program?
2: Um, it was going on two years. So almost, almost two years.
1: Okay. So you're already kind of in it. Tell us briefly. I mean, I, you know, obviously I'm a huge fan of the primal health coach program, but, uh, tell us about your experience. I mean, I've obviously taken it to a new level. You have your own podcast discussing these things. Um, tell us what was the course like?
2: The course is excellent. Um, really great in detail, um, not only about just, you know, what we were made to eat, but also the um biology behind it all. Like, you know, what happens to our hormones when we eat certain things or what happens to our uh, blood sugar levels, why carbs are bad for us, um, you know, why we shouldn't be eating a bunch of grains, like really in detail stuff. And which I really appreciate because, you know, people are going to ask, ask questions like that. So I thought it was a great course.
1: Was there anything that you can recall at this time? It's probably been a while since you took the course, but was there anything that you learned that, you know, in, in learning it, you were like, oh, that's a shocker, or I didn't know that, or that's really interesting. Did something really stand out to you, or did you already sort of know most of the info and it was just about digging into the science behind it?
2: Um, I definitely knew a lot of it um, because of digging digging in myself. I'm really into reading, so I knew a lot of it. Um, but yes, I would say that digging into the science part of it, I hadn't gone that deep. Um, so it was really interesting to understand, um, like the internal stuff that's going on in your body, um, when you eat grain and when you eat meat and fat and all that stuff, I thought that was really interesting.
1: And did, and I'm assuming you'd already experienced all the improvements, but one of the things you and I were chatting about before this, that we wanted to kind of, relate to listeners is because this is really, it becomes an intuitive process at some point once you get fat adapted and things sort of change with whatever your style of eating or amount of eating is. And you and I wanted to chat about some of the mistakes and things that, you know, we've made along the way that we learned because it is an intuitive process. So I'd love you to start off with sharing a couple things in your own personal experience where you might've thought this was the way to go, but you realized you had to make an adjustment.
2: Yes. Um, I want to start out with butter (laughs) and the reason why, (laughs) the reason why is I put, well, I did, I put a ton of butter like in my coffee every morning and which, you know, if you, if you follow like high fat or even like, if you look into Dave Asty's like bulletproof type stuff, like they're heavy on putting butter in their coffee. And I was putting way too much butter in my coffee because I would have two cups. And probably, like, two tablespoons in each cup. And then I would, like, after, like, a week or two, start smelling like butter. <laughs> so it was pretty gross. <laughs> so eventually that's pretty I- funny.
1: Well, you know, that's a that, that's a really great one, though, that you brought that up. Because I spoke to someone once who... Said, well, you know, I'm just having the the bulletproof coffee in the morning, and I go, well, okay, but what are you actually putting in it? Yeah. And she said, two tablespoons of butter and two tablespoons of MCT oil, yeah. and I was like, that's five six hundred calories of fat right from the beginning of the morning. So yes, eating a high fat, moderate protein, low carb paradigm, which is what paleo is, does not mean eat all the fat you want. Yeah. It's just about the ratio of how things work, and because fat because a pad of butter in and of itself is so nutritionally dense in terms of calories and all of that, one can misgauge the fat by trying to eye it right on a plate or thinking that the fat has to look more than the protein. But, you know, so that's a confusing area. And if anyone's, uh, feeling like they're going down the wrong path or it's not working, you do have to take a look at that. And, uh, certainly with the coffee, it's a, it's a real easy place to make a mistake.
2: Oh Yeah. Yeah. And I like what Rob Wolf says. He says, you know, don't be afraid of fat, but don't drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I was doing.
1: <laughs> right, right. Okay, so that's that's one sort of area where you go, okay, uh, that's too much. What were some other things that, that you had to make adjustments to or were personal things for you that uh, you had to go down and figure out?
2: Um, another thing was because I had done like a high raw vegan for so long, um, I really put inf- – like that diet puts a lot of emphasis on fruit, like high fruit. And so I had to learn to really cut back on fruit um, because eating like a high raw food diet, you can eat like a ton of bananas and like not like one sitting. I mean, you can eat like three to four bananas in one sitting because you put it in like shakes and stuff. So I had to really learn to like not only cut back fruit, but like go with fruits that aren't as high in glycemic because including the bananas, I would eat a lot of dates. So it's like changing that whole mentality with, with the fruit was not necessarily difficult because I used to eat a lot of vegetables too, but it was definitely different because you're trying to run on the fat and not the sugar.
1: Right. Right. Such a good point. And yeah, the uh, dates and which are great, but you've mm-hmm. got to monitor that because I think like three dates is, probably 35 carbs you know one banana might be 38 right so you eat three bananas and you're kind of done for the day on carbs really yeah. when you're talking about uh paleo primal paradigm aside from i'm assuming you know your skin cleared and things like that as you went down the path and you know you talked about your brain capacity and your your you no know, depression etc what are some other things that you noticed that were positive um as you kind of kept eating in this way
2: oh yeah um well, the, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that when I started eating meat again after a period of time um, and fat, I started gaining weight back. And I had gotten down to like, I think the, the maximum uh, under underlining limit was I got down to 110 <clears throat> and I'd never been that that little in my whole entire life. I've always ran uh, around 130. And that was with eating like, you know, kind of junk food as well. So I definitely started putting on weight again. Um, and, but the the good thing about it is I was actually losing all of my muscle, being, you know, vegan, vegetarian, and also doing chronic cardio, like a lot of cro- chronic cardio. Right. So, um, so I stopped doing the chronic cardio and I put back, weight. But what I realize is it's all my muscle returning. So now I- that's
1: such a, that's a really great point. I'd like to highlight that yeah. because so a lot of times, um, especially in the town I'm living at, a lot of people will go vegan to lose weight because they mm-hmm. see that other vegans are skinny and small. Um, a lot of that's muscle wasting folks. (laughs) And so, and and, and if you're in that paradigm, yeah, you kind of can only do cardio because if you start to lift weights and do much of that, then you have to support it with something. And so it's interesting. I was listening to a vegan at the gym, trying to convince someone else to be a vegan. But one of the things I heard her say was just do cardio. (laughs) And she's like, just all I do is cardio. And, uh, actually that same vegan had a breathing meltdown at the gym and had to save her by talking to her about B12 and iron. And then she, she came back a couple weeks later. And, you know, again, when you remove something we're meant to have, you have to replace it. If you're going to go down that road, you've got to be very careful, right? Because things can happen. Um, what are some other things? I mean, the butter and the coffee was a thing. How did you feel about caloric efficiency? Because it happened to me. And if people don't know what that means, it means, you know, once you get fat adapted and you're on this train, eventually down the road, the amount of food you once had to have to fuel you. You need a lot less. And at least for me, and I'm not sure about you, Haley, but there were moments when, because of that, I then ended up being in a state where I felt I I had overeaten, even though it might've been the same thing a month ago in terms of the volume of food. And it kind of kept getting less and less. And I think those again are intuitive moments where you have to go, well, wait a minute, I'm not hungry or I can only finish half the steak just because I used to finish this whole steak two months ago. Doesn't mean I need to finish it now. It, there was a weird adjustment for me there. Did you have anything around that?
2: Yeah. Caloric it, efficiency happen Yeah, definitely. Um, I, w- I would say kind of the same thing. I realized that, uh, well, I don't get hungry as often, you know, um, run, running on yep. carbs versus fat. Um, definitely don't get hungry as often. And the thing is, here's my thing with it is, um, I feel like I, I have to eat when my husband's eating. So that was my thing is like, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at going with intuitive, like now I'm hungry or now I'm feeling my stomach growling. But if my husband's around and I have to make him food, then I like think that I have to eat too. And so I've kind of been, um, making myself be more aware of that and not have, not like letting myself eat when I'm really just not hungry or, um, and also like you said, the meat, like I don't like, I need meat, but I don't need that much meat in order to feel like, you know, satisfied and and full. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you
1: know, that's an interesting conundrum people get into. So either they've got a family that can't be on board or is going to continue to eat the way they want. And so the other part of that is dinner times, right? We talk about getting out of this construction of having to eat at certain times. Um, That's something I had to get out of. Like Recently, someone asked me to go to dinner or they said, hey, do you want to eat or you just want to go hang out? And it was like we were going to meet at 7 or 7.30 for me now, that's too late. I might have gone to dinner back in the day and had dinner at seven, seven thirty. But sometimes my dinner's at three thirty. You know, sometimes it's at four p.m. And you do have to just kind of, you know. And of course, sometimes I would make an exception. It's not like I'm going to say I'm never going to have dinner with anyone at seven. Right. I I would maybe plan for something special like that and adjust my eating so that I could have dinner later. But that was one of the weird things where I had to stop being pressured into, or not pressured, but self-pressure into matching some dinner times with people. So it would just be like, Hey, well, I'll eat first. Or a few people, um, I could convince to eat a little earlier, you know, if we planned ahead of time, I'd be like, Hey, do you mind eating dinner at like six instead of eight o'clock? Uh, so, you know, that was an adjustment as well.
2: Yeah. And and just like, you know, adjustments in general, like going to certain events where like people don't eat paleo and stuff and then happen to you know, kind of look over at the table and see like what you can eat more of and what you definitely shouldn't eat and, and things like that. It's definitely an adjustment on, on lifestyle in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about, um, how do you work with people? Do you just do phone coaching? Do you do in person? And how does, how do you work in spreading the word to others and helping others get healthy?
2: Um, well, I, I want to start off with, um, uh, what I, what I try to do is I, I help people kind of like get out of that diet mindset, mindset and live like a healthy lifestyle in general, which obviously involves eating some sort of meat. Um, so that's, that's my goal is just to spread that truth. And I do do one, on one coaching and I do group coaching as well. Um, but really, I just want to inspire people to, to live like their fullest potential in life. So whether I'm a holistic life coach as well. So whatever, um, you know, you have to have the, the mental health, you have to have the physical health, and then, you know, in order to achieve things in life. And so that's kind of what I'm here to do.
1: Well, and you have a unique experience from the vegan vegetarian perspective of being there and being able to maybe help people who are suffering because of that and wanting to cross over. So that's a wonderful thing as well to be able to relate to uh, with you as a coach who's Mm -hmm. really kind of been through it themselves and had to overcome some of those mental objections and emotional ones in order to get primal and get healthy again. Um, how do you do the group coaching? Like, uh, do you do it on Facebook? Do you, do you have a certain webinar situation? How does that work?
2: Currently, I do it on Facebook. I have a group on Facebook that I add people to um, when they're ready to be coached. Um, and I, I eventually do plan to do some webinars here in the, the near future, but I haven't got to that yet.
1: Excellent. What are, um, what are some common either objections or excuses, whether it be an objection to the paleo primal lifestyle that you've heard or an objection, like an excuse as to why someone might not move forward or just, you know, there's a lot of motivating factors when you're trying to get your stuff together. And sometimes you hear a lot of the same excuses. It'd be nice to hear some of those for the people that out there who kind of maybe haven't come full circle yet and need some motivation.
2: Absolutely. Um, this definitely started when I first got into health in general. Um, the and I still hear it today, is that eating healthy is too expensive. And uh, when I'm I, so
1: glad you brought that one up.
2: When I first heard that, I I said, you know what? Then I'm just gonna start a community garden. And it's gonna be hundred percent organic and it's gonna be free for the public and I and I did that. That was before I started the Amazing. And that was basically my um, solution to that problem to people. They couldn't have an excuse. There was literally a free garden in the middle of Kokomo that had all the veggies that you could possibly want. So that was like, you know, your your basis, especially for the diet that I was and for the primal diet. And um, so, you know, going further into this and now I'm here into the primal diet, um, when it so many ways of going about it. And what I really, the, the way I prefer people go, go about it, um, that, you know, that support the environment as well is, uh, find your local farmer that's doing grass fed beef or bison or venison. And we have all those around where I'm at, um, and their meat's cheaper. It, it's cheaper and you know, they're actually doing it right. And they're not sitting on Still eating corn that's organic. You know, so I can I can go to my local Kroger and get a pound of beef for it it's running around 7.99 or I can go to my local farmer that's almost the same distance away and pay 6.50 a pound.
1: Right. And also to the other um the other thing about, we just talked about the caloric efficiency. So at first it might seem more expensive when you're eating the same volume of food or you're trying to do fancy cook. You know, when you try to get into fancy recipes, sometimes you can waste ingredients, right? Unless you're eating simply. But I think that's what a lot of people do. They try to replicate like paleo muffins and things like that. So they go and buy all the like nut flours and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, with the caloric efficiency, as you go down the road, I spend so much less money on oh, food yeah. than I ever have. And- It is because of the volume being less overall, really. You know what I mean? Um, It took a lot of money and I had to have a lot of things in my house to snack on and keep that glucose-burning-dependent situation ready to go. But once I transitioned and went down the road... so maybe the first six months, right? Yeah. Because you're becoming intuitive. You may be eating a larger volume of food. Maybe you're spending more money because you're eating the whole grass-fed steak, where now a whole grass-fed steak that's about a pound could last me two meals, right? So eventually, if you hang in there, it does become cheaper. And there are great ways. By the way, I'm glad you highlighted the local farms. Anyone can go to eatwild.com, which I believe has a whole list of Grass-fed pasture, ra- you know, raised animal farms. Uh, you can search one by you. You can also get things shipped to you, and um, you know, shrink wrapped and frozen. So there's lots of ways to do this and buy in bulk. Um, but the excuse of saying it's more expensive is just what that is—an absolute excuse.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is <laughs> so let's call it what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and and I do. I want to note, you know, that when you start into the primal eating your phase of your life or even veganism, you're replacing a ton of nutrients and minerals and vitamins in your body that you've been lacking for so long. And so it's going to take time for your body to build that stuff up. So you might be eating a lot of food at first, you know, because your body needs it. It needs to replace all these things. So yeah, like you said, after a certain amount of time, And I say, yeah, three to six months, then you're definitely going to reduce your intake of food unless you're like a heavy lifter or something.
1: Right. And one of those uh, areas that people often find that they're like, huh, is people who are big breakfast eaters or who need to eat like Mm -hmm. a, a, a substantial breakfast. They'll later find out as they get fat adapted, they wake up one morning and they're like, I'm not even really hungry. Right. And so a lot of times just that morning meal can be canceled out. I'm not suggesting everyone fast every day and not eat breakfast, but when I am right, you hear what I'm saying is you don't always need the five egg omelet where at first you might, you might need it to get off the glucose train. But after a while, a lot of people who are very hungry upon waking up find that when they get fat adapted, they wake up and they're like, this is interesting, and I've heard that from so many people of all different ages who have been like, "That's weird." I'm, I, I noticed that I'm not hungry, and you're like, "Right now, you know, you're getting fat adapted."
2: Yeah, and and I can definitely relate to that because I I wake up, I'm definitely not hungry majority of the time. Now I can tell you and and other people that if I eat like a carb meal before I go to bed that I wouldn't normally eat, like if I went out to and they had this really awesome like that is supposed to be the best, and I try it, but it had like things that wouldn't normally be on a primal um a diet, then that next morning I'm gonna be hungry because I just ate like that's right you know, a bunch of sugar. <laughs>
1: And sometimes when that, when, when I've done that, I wake up and I feel like a little hungover Oh yeah, and it's from the sugar. Oh yeah. And it doesn't have to be even crappy sugar. It can be a ton of fruit at night Mm -hmm. for dessert. It it just, but I do get that same feeling where I wake up and I'm like, Ooh, I, I feel like I had some drinks last night. Like, and I didn't, you know, so uh, there's definitely the sugar hangover thing once you're not used to it. And then that prevents you from kind of going down that train and getting addicted again, because you feel the adverse effects where you didn't before when you were a sugar burner.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that addiction is, uh, is definitely truly there on food.
1: Yeah. It's a total, it's a total nightmare. The other thing too, I want to kind of throw out or not one of the mistakes, but a lot of the, I'm sure you've heard this too. So usually in my experience, people are missing a component. Either they're just looking at a primal food list. They don't realize that there's a part of transitioning to be a fat burner or they've they think they've got that right, but then they're still doing chronic cardio and exercising and do high intensity and so I feel like a lot of people are often missing one component and one can really jack up the other so if you're trying to get fat adapted but you're doing glycolytic workouts every day, then you're taking two steps forward and five steps backwards and so every component needs to look at, including the lifestyle um, I, you had mentioned you were doing a lot of cardio I was such a cardio. Just addict nightmare, but didn't even realize that I was even doing that, you know, Um, because it could have even meant me be hiking at a really fast pace, which would be glycolytic uh, with my pulse at a certain level, my heart rate. But, you know, I didn't consider that cardio because I was like, it's a hike. You know what I mean? Just because I wasn't on an elliptical going five hundred miles an hour, didn't I, I thought that, you know, I just mis had a misconception of what I was actually doing. <clears throat> and then when I slowed it down, you know, after workouts, you will not be sore and tired and crave sugar because you have not just depleted all of your glucose stores. And so for those that aren't sure about that, you know, you can go to Mark's Daily Apple, you can look at all of the primal principles or go to the primal dot com and see what we mean when we talk about getting fat adapted. What were some of the things after you got fat adapted? Because, you know, we know that takes a little while. Obviously, you had your brain light up after eating meat. What was that experience like the day when you're like, oh, my gosh, uh, like you, there had to be some things along the way that were like, this is a different day, you know?
2: Yeah, I definitely noticed, um, you know, when I was doing chronic cardio, still doing primal adapt adapted stuff. Cause I was, I'm right along with you. I wanted to run, you know, cause I you get that endorphin high, like when you're running that, that far, because I actually read something where they talked about how marathon runners, um, basically when they're done, it looks like they had a stroke in their brain. And so, <clears throat> uh, so it's like, you're getting this like weird hormone, uh, blood rush when you're, when you're running like that. And so I had to realized that not only was I getting super ran like that and eating, you know, kind of a more carbs than I should be, but just switching from doing like sprints every seven to 10 days, like Mark suggests, um, I, I noticed like, just even like, like my mood levels, you know, are just so much better. Like serotonin, um, just like he says, is, is definitely on the rise when you're doing, some of the primal essential movements, but you're also doing these sprints and you're not worn out because you're, you're doing it pretty much until your form starts sacrificing and then you quit and you let your body rest. And, um, and if you listen to your intuition, if you're really listening, you'll know exactly when to rest, exactly when to sprint, exactly when to go lift heavy. Um, and you'll find that you're starting to gain muscle a lot quicker. You're starting to feel healthier. You're starting to get mental, just, full mental clarity. I mean, it's really a complete change, especially coming from a vegan perspective because you're, you you know, you can definitely do a, a, like fasting cardio and you can definitely fast on, on a vegan diet, but you're always replenishing blood sugar, like the, the glycosin stores. And you're always, um, you're always eating carbs to replenish yourself. And, and that's it's a weird energy to run off of it's it's more of a sugar high than it is uh an actual energy source,
1: yeah, and I want to highlight one of the things both you and I learned in the course, well, part of it is that runner's high that people get it's not healthy mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh-uh. right it's uh-uh. healthy, you know it's healthy to flood your body with that hormones, like you said in a sprint session or you know a high intensity workout once or twice a week, uh, depending on your health level, but when you're doing it on a chronic basis, and one of the things too is. <clears throat> For people out there listening who've got thyroid issues, one of the things when I talk to people about that topic is they're gaining weight. Their thyroid's not working, but they're trying to get ahead of the weight gain So because they're, they're, you know, they have no control over it. So they're working out. And then when you tell them they really shouldn't work out because they're hurting their progress, they're like, but I feel better after I work out. And in that kind of hypothyroid state, the reason those people feel better is because they have just flood themselves with cortisol and get that kind of temporary runner high. But what it is, is it's just putting more fat around their middle and they don't even realize it. So they're taking five steps backwards and, and that's one of the things as well. So that runner's high that you get is not a healthy thing, but it's something people seek on a regular basis and they think it's healthy because they're like, well, I feel good. Um, but then eventually something will break down and that's where, you know, people will run in, run into problems.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I definitely noticed that myself. And, and like I said, I was losing a ton of muscle. So, uh, you could, you know, you kind of get the smell when you're starting to burn muscle, like, you know, that smell in your nose, like, um, well, something's going on here. (laughs) So yeah, you can almost feel,
1: I had a friend years ago who had the zone delivery, you know, when that was really popular, like, 15 years ago or whatever. And we worked out all the time. We we're very healthy. He was like my best friend and he had them come measured. And I, and it's funny, I didn't understand it until like 15 years later, but at the time he said to me, he goes, I'm going to have to call them. I'm not sure if I'm getting a nutrient." He goes, I, this is the weirdest thing. I feel my muscles are eating themselves.
0: Uh,
2: yeah. And I
1: remember going, what? That is so weird. What are you talking about? And, and, and now I see they were catabolizing because he was eating yeah. every two, three hours. And if he missed a couple hours here and there, the muscles would start to break down. Or if he, you know what I mean? And I didn't understand that until later. And then I, I call him. like 15 years later. I'm like, do you remember when you said your muscles were eating yourself? They were, they yeah. totally were. You were feeling it. Um, and you know, so eventually when you get intuitive, you can feel these things. When you're a fat burner, you don't have those moments. Your muscles don't break down quickly like that when you go even 12 24 hours or even a few days without food yeah um which is great because all of the efforts you do make in terms of uh weight bearing exercise are retained oh yeah um you know one of the other things I want to highlight on sprinting i am here to tell everyone i used to hate i hate running I hate it <laughs> like don't want to do it, don't like it, resistant to it. Mm-hmm. I really had to come around for a couple reasons. One, I could go hiking for like two hours and it really wouldn't do anything for me, like body shaping wise. And the other thing is, after I got my genetics test, I saw that I was a higher percentage of the fast twitch muscle type oh, wow. of makeup as a human being. And so that really makes me a sprinter kind of type. Right. And so I thought, all right, I really need to switch it up. I'm going to have to get on this. I've done sprinting a couple of times and I was like, whatever. Uh, but I would see the results immediately. I mean, almost immediately, like later that day or the next morning, I was like, wow, changes are happening. This was, this 20 minute sprint session was way better than the three hour hike. How is that even possible? Yeah, You know, and how that did, did that for me. And so I thought, okay, this is what I've got to do. And what's funny is, is when you get into that sprint thing once a week or even twice a week, depending on, you know, your situation, you spend less time working out overall for better results. It's really what happens. And that's the crazy thing because – I don't have to put in the kind of time that I used to. And that's a freedom as well. Now, at first, you may be working out more or whatever until things become intuitive and the shifting and the hormones and all the genetic switches are turned on. But right at some point, though, it's like I have taken days off. I used to never even take a day off of yeah. working out. Um, and now, I, not that I do it intentionally, but there are moments where I'm like, I don't feel like it, and I don't worry about it being a setback. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Because it's not
1: anymore, if that makes sense. So hopefully you've got, you probably have some experience there too.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I totally relate with you on like taking a break because I definitely did not do that. I I would at least run three miles if I didn't run 20. So, so, uh,
1: yeah, I'm that way too. Like I do something. I would go do something.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing I want to hit on is that, so I've been basically not, not breaking the chain of doing, um, like 15 minutes of some sort of exercise, whether it's just like light stretching every, you know, when I want a break, I just, you know, do some stretching. So I I've been on this. Yeah. Yoga, a yoga
1: class could be that kind of off day as well, or like stretching at home or Yesterday I was just kind of tired with some lack of sleep a little bit lately. I I really wasn't energetic, but I kind of needed to move and I just went and did like 15 minutes of laps. Yeah. And just a 15 minute little swim around or outer, work everything, stretch it out, move it. And and that just felt way better than doing nothing, but it wasn't a time uh sucker.
2: Right. Yeah. And and what I've noticed too is that I, this is gonna gonna be on um, going on week eight that I've done this like you know non break change or change sorry, and um, what happens is I've actually noticed that I am gaining muscle very quickly compared to like when I tried to do weightlifting when I was vegan. I am getting results. I see them on on a daily basis, and um, and it hasn't taken any any time to start to tone up because I'm eating right.
1: Yeah, it takes it. It is actually the results are quick. Once you get fat adapted, you go down this train, you've figured out all of these problems like you stopped the eight pads of butter in the coffee. <laughs> um it, it yeah, it's it's a really amazing thing. The muscles are retained not only longer, um but the results after one weight training situation, you're like, "Wow, you see it right away." It can take just a couple of days. Um and as well, I've also noticed a absolute increase in I think like pretty much my vo2 max my athletic performance my ability to recover everything is so much better than it used to be when I did hot yoga five days a week chronic cardio hello everybody and or hauled my ass up a mountain at you know over 75 percent of my max and you know those are hard things to you know like a hot yoga class is not really fun (laughs) It's just like in a lot of ways. And neither is hauling ass up a mountain. It's not really an enjoyable hike. You're just doing it. You're like, I got to work hard to burn the calories. It's that like mindset. And this this way of being is such a more relaxed and so, right? It's primal and natural. It does feel so much more how humans and how we should move.
2: Oh, yeah. I totally agree with you there. And I think I remember, Mark, in in the Primal Blueprint, of course, mentioning that you know, these hunter-gatherers, they they rested more than they, they were, like, exercising because they saved that energy until they were getting chased by a predator or they had to go on a long hunt or something. So it makes more sense.
1: Yeah, and our ancestors got about probably five to six hours of movement per day, right. roaming, walking, etc and then a lot of sleeping and hanging out and doing nothing just probably... Looking up at the sky and going, what are those things yeah. up there? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, had, they had a very chill life, and obviously we're getting to bed at a certain hour. That's the other thing too. You really can't be successful at this if you have a poor sleep schedule oh, yeah. or not getting enough sleep. It's one of the first things you got to attack right away because you're not going to have, again, in the way that it affects adrenals and appetite and recovery. So that's one thing everybody can do.
2: Yep, I agree with you.
1: So tell us about your podcast, Grok's Wife. Now, I guess we should tell people who don't know that, you know, Mark Sisson, when he wrote the Primal Blueprint, when he gave an example of, you know, our hunter-gatherer ancestors, he used an example, Grok, uh, G-R-O-K, as sort of the name of a, you know, sort of fictitious uh, hunter-gatherer. And actually, G-R-O-K get ripped on ketones is how we also, Oh, nice. <laughs> we also have, have coined it. Um, and so I love that your podcast is called Grok's wife. Yeah. I think like the caveman, you're like the cave, caveman's
2: wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. It was, it was fun. Cause I was trying to come up with, you know, a business name or a podcast name. And I was like, you know, going through a bunch of different names that some of them that I've had over the years and everything. And then I was like, you know, it'd be really funny if I named it Grok's wife. And my, my husband's like, uh, yeah, that's it. Like yeah. Right when I heard it too, I was like, oh,
1: that's a great name. (laughs) Yeah. Mark, Mark, Mark's going to love that. So great. Um, and tell us, how can we, how can we find you? How can we work with you? Listen to your podcast, give us, and we'll put, of course, your, your website and all of the information and, you know, social media links in the show notes, but tell us how we can connect with you.
2: Yeah, if you can just go to groxwife.com, um, that'll pull up my Facebook page, with, which will also um, send you to my podcast. Um, it's posted on there every day or whenever I have a podcast. And um, just send me a private message, you know, um, hey, I want to work with you or I want to chat. You know, I'm totally open to doing a free consultation and just kind of seeing if you even need to work with a life coach or a health coach. Um, And I'll I'll let you know if you're kind of on the right track and give you a few tips. And if you want to go into uh, deeper details than that, then we can go from there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, most coaches offer a free consult and should. And sometimes just the free consult is enough for somebody. You know, sometimes they can just get enough even in that, uh, to, to move forward or get put on the right path or to be alerted to something that they might be doing wrong and to think about in a different way. And sometimes that's just all that you need. So I suggest that, you know, people do step up, call you for even a consult and see, you know, what there is to this. For those of you who are new to primal or want to learn as much as you can about this, one of the best ways other than going to the com or Mark's Daily Apple is to go back and listen to the first 15 episodes of the Primal Blueprint podcast, which you know we're on right now. And it's Mark Sisson and Brad Kearns talking about all of the principles. And so if you are a synthesizer of information uh, when you hear it versus read it, that's another way to have it seep in where, you know, for me, like I love the Primal Blueprint book, but what did it for me was watching a seminar Mark did, you know, the transformational seminar. It was a two hour seminar that he just, you know, filmed in Chicago somewhere. And, um, that's what did it because I respond more to the audio in, in, in these kind of things. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so that's a great way for anyone to really get a hold of these principles and for free, you know, I mean, these are, there's so many great free resources out there, including of course, uh, your podcast. And did you say you do them daily or weekly or how often do you have podcasts?
2: I do them weekly. <clears throat> I do them weekly. Um, I, I think eventually I'll probably do more, but right, right now, um, while my daughter's young, I do them weekly. <laughs> all right, that's so great.
1: And what would you like to leave our audience with any kind of tips or ideas about, um, yeah,
2: living? I would like to leave them with, don't get caught up in like all the fad diets and, the emotional drive behind everything, really do your own research and really dive into the truth because people can present you with what their idea of health is. And if you're not looking into the truth yourself, you're easily swayed into the wrong diet. And so I just want people to really think for themselves and um, do their own research with health.
1: Yeah, you know, actually, uh, I just want to point out on that note, I had an experience recently, I have a friend who's um, mostly vegan, vegetarian, eats a little fish and eggs, but not as regularly. And they were an unhealthy vegetarian eating probably a lot of Soy and and you know grains and other things. And about a year ago, I tried to share with them, you know, that at the very minimum, they should really try to limit the grains and the beans and legumes and try to live more of a primal lifestyle. Even though they didn't have to eat meat, meat, but you know, if they're eating eggs and fish, and the the, the objection was, well, I'm not going to quit grains, um, you know, just randomly. I mean, you know, I've read they're really good for you. Don't you need some grains? And that whole discussion. And I tried to share the science, but again, well cut to a couple of days ago, this person, um, horrific gut health, like yeah. gone wrong. And, <clears throat> and, you know, finally went to some doctor who said, listen, I think the doctor even said you need to cut out grains. And then they called me and I said, this is what I'm saying. You know, it, you, you can deny it all you want until it catches up with you. And it will at some point. And it's going to throw it off your gut health. It, it absolutely will. You, you just wait for it. I mean, so you don't have to wait for it. You can change it now. But again, you know, what I think too is I mentioned Grain brain by Dr. Perlmutter. I mentioned some of those things to her. She was resistant until she had a problem. Now, when I mentioned Grain brain to her, she's like, oh my gosh, yeah, that guy, Dr. Perlmutter, he's awesome. I, you know, and I was like, uh, yes, yeah, what I was talking about a year ago, whenever you're ready, right, whenever, but the information is there. And when you do have a problem, that's usually, the time when you're going to go do your own research because you're sick and you're like, what's happening to me? Um, And so, you know, hopefully though, people won't wait until something goes wrong to do what you're talking about. Do your own research. If you have a conceptual objection to anything we're talking about or, or you're confused about it, do
2: your own research. There's so much information out there. Yeah. And, and that's, you know that's where I come in too, is because if you if you don't want to do your own research because you're just so slammed busy, then go to somebody that has been through it already so you can cut through all of it and get to your ultimate health and not be you know dabbling all in the information. so you just gotta trust people sometimes, and you're right. it's when they're ready though that's what it really comes down to
1: absolutely and and you know. Obviously, anyone interested in the Primal Health Coach program can go to primalhealthcoach.com. Uh, Haley and I are both Primal Health Coaches, and there's plenty of them out there. And all of us usually work over the phone or through Skype, and so and offer free consultations. So get connected with Haley Morris Grokswife.com. That's G-R-O-K-S-W-I-F-E. Dot com, and we'll, of course, put those links in the show notes and, you know, talk to talk to an expert in this arena who can get you started on the right path and maybe that will inspire you to, to delve further as well. So thank you so much for coming on today and we look forward to seeing all of the work you're going to do in the future.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Elle. It was really fun. Have a great day. You too.
0: Hi listeners, it's Brad Kearns. I'm so excited to introduce you to our all new comprehensive online multimedia course called the 21 Day Primal Reset. This is everything you need to go step-by-step into a lifestyle transformation and go primal, go all in, make the commitment. We are here with an amazing online course with over 60 videos taking you through step-by-step daily challenges in the areas of diet, exercise, and lifestyle. You also get to download an assortment of print and audio materials. We have an awesome app that helps you engage with the community while you're doing your 21 day reset, daily inspirational emails, keeping you focused, giving you tips and tricks. We have shopping list PDFs. Oh, it's a great collection of items all on the login portal as soon as you register instant and lifetime access, everything you need. What a great gift to give someone, family, friend, loved one that you want to share the gift of primal living with. And even if you're an expert long-term, what a great way to kind of tune up and get that reset going, build some momentum if your goals are reducing excess body fat, being healthy, and staying with the Primal program for the rest of your life. That's what this journey is, is a kickstart to generate long-term, lasting lifestyle change. And when you enroll at PrimalBlueprint.com, we have a wonderful selection of add-on product kits at an extreme discount to thank you for enrolling in the digital course so you can throw in some wonderful Primal Kitchen products or Primal Blueprint supplements. Check it all out at PrimalBlueprint.com. Everyone deserves a reset. You deserve a reset. Make the commitment for 21 days, and we'll be with you every step of the way to guide you.